Hello, and welcome to All Charged Up, the podcast that brings state, county, and local municipality resources together with industry experts as we discuss a variety of topics, such as EV infrastructure, renewables, and the electrical contracting industry in DuPage. I'm your host, Karen Charvat, and in today's episode, we will be talking about multifamily dwelling charging issues and increasing access to public EV charging with Tim Milburn of Greenways to Go. Tim, hello and welcome back to All Charged Up. Hi, Karen. Good morning. Uh, glad to be back. Great to be back. Wonderful. And we're here again at the beautiful College of DuPage Multimedia Center. Shout out to them. They do a wonderful job for us. Tim, you know, on our first episode, we had talked at length about what is currently happening really on a broad level in terms of EV infrastructure. And we did touch upon the basics of residential charging, but more from a single family home perspective. You know, what about those folks living in apartments or condos? I I have to think that there is, um, you know, quite a number of challenges for them. Indeed. Uh, So I kind of deal with the whole spectrum and which includes single family, multifamily, commercial, uh, you know, along the highways. And I find the multifamily dwelling challenging uh, maybe the most because it's it's complicated. There's a du- number of different ways that uh, people do live in multifamily dwellings. Mm-hmm. Um, and just as an example, you know, 60% of people in the city of Chicago live in multifamily dwellings. And 60%? The, well, yeah, yeah. I guess it does make and sense. And out in the, uh, you know, the collar counties, it's 20 to 30%. So it's a sure. lot of people. Mm-hmm. And we need to get them driving EVs. How do we do that? Do they use public charging or where they live? Right. And right. the, the challenge is it typically boils down to there's the kind of differences whether you live in an apartment where somebody else owns the parking mm-hmm. in, your, in your home mm-hmm. or a condominium where you own it and you may or may not own the parking space. So that determines basically the type of charging device that you would put in. Mm-hmm. Um, if you like an apartment building, you could actually share because the, an owner of the building could put in a charging station that can be shared by any number of users. Whereas if you had, for example, a deeded space in a condominium, we typically say you have to have a dedicated charger and the resident who owns that owns title to that parking space also will own for own the charger and pay for the charger. Sure, and I can imagine that that's the sharing. Well, if you, if you go back to the sharing aspect, maybe more in the apartment, right. you know, example, right? That really sort of leads itself to potential inconveniences and conflicts of you know when when are people trying to charge and if there's only a handful of you know spots. Yeah. Well, the the interesting thing about the the charging is as it's evolved, especially with the shared ones, is there are smart devices in that they will tell the current person charging when they're done, and it'll mm-hmm. send an email to somebody waiting. Oh, there you so go. you you can have m- multiple users in a given uh, living complex that can share. It's not perfect, and and at some point you might need to put in a second one or a third one as more people get EVs. But basically, the technology is advanced so that you can manage that as well as reasonably expected. Um, and the other thing, just if you're charging, these are all level two chargers, which are 240 volts. Typically, you're dealing with you know a, a level that will give you about 25 miles per hour of recharge. 
So a couple hours, it's 50 miles. That usually fills most people up. So you don't need to stay there for a, a long time unless you take a long trip or something. But sure. basically, that allows a lot of people to use it in a given day, typically. Mm-hmm. And again, one of the reasons why... Um, you know, we're we're even having this conversation is again because of you know this having a million EVs on the road by 2030, and you know, folks like you and I who are living and breathing this every day, we we see the, you know, the days and the weeks and the months ticking by, and we're you know really knocking on 2024 here. So these are the types of things that really need to. Um, you know, no pun intended, but get up to speed, right? And making sure that there's access for folks. Yeah. So this is um, it's the chicken and egg or the uh, build of mm-hmm. dreams concept. Yeah. So um, people don't get EVs, especially in multifamily living, because they don't have charging at home, and they don't put charging at home because nobody has EVs. But if the facilities could put it in, people would get EVs. And I hear this all the time from HOA boards or people who own apartment buildings, and. A lot of that has to date been driven largely by incentives or lack of incentives. Mm-hmm. So if you think about to put in one charging circuit in a, in a multifamily dwelling, it's, it's say, anywhere between three and $6,000 just to put in the infrastructure and then maybe another three or $4,000 for the charging circuit. So it's, it's a lot of money. And the building, you know, do they want to front all that? Or do they just want to put it on the resident, you know, in the case of a condominium or some mix of it? And the state of Illinois and the federal government has been talking about providing some of that funding for some time now. And it's soon to be released. I have it on good word, probably the beginning of next year, 2024, which means these uh, larger condos and apartments will say, hey, this is the time to do this, at which point... People will buy the EVs and and will be able to get the infrastructure in because it's you know when I say infrastructure is all the conduit wiring and new panels and power transformers and and other stuff that adds up that a building can't really justify especially for the residents who don't drive EVs. Well, sure, and I would also imagine right just like anything else they have to probably you know survey the residents who yeah. even right now at this moment in time you know is driving an EV or who's planning to purchase one in the next you know 3 6 9 months right that all that has to take place it, we look at it as a, you have to balance supply and demand right so right. we go out and we work with our clients who we do surveys as you just brought up mm-hmm. to find out you know if we put in the, the charging infrastructure would you buy an EV that's the, Feel the fundamental drinks. question right. exactly mm-hmm. So, um, and I've been doing this for 10 years, and it used to be no, (laughs) just nobody was going to do it. And I was at a place last week, and there were, out of 100, there were 40 people interested. Really? Kind of a new, and I had another building that was similar in terms of percentage of residents. It used to be a few people, so that number is growing. Um, People see the writing on the walls with respect to the cars, but they've got to figure out how to solve the charging at home. So that says there's this demand that's growing. So now you have to look at the supply side, and a building will have typically have some spare capacity in their panels. Um, and so what we'll do is figure out how much you have and then compare the two. And, and at some point you may have to call ComEd and get more power brought in, but in many cases you don't need to do that for some time. And anyway, those are the steps we take. Mm-hmm. And when you're, 
you figure that all out, then then it's how much and when, and you know you can do these things in stages, and and that's the kind of thing we will do for the a, a given facility. And I can only imagine um, part of the challenge, one of the challenges I should say, is really retrofitting older buildings that you know. There, this was just never even a consideration right. in 1960 when the building are even older, right? Because older. We're, we're talking, you know, some buildings, you know, are, um, um, especially in the city and in some of the Oak Park areas, we're talking about 100-year-old yep. buildings, right? That's got to be quite an undertaking. Um, so, yeah, the older, the probably the less spare power, not necessarily a rule, but um, also some of these buildings may have already gone through other iterations over time where they had increased their service, their electrical power. Mm-hmm. Um, many cases they haven't, and so they have got to get combat. We're, we're actually doing one in Oak Park where we're going to be adding you know, a certain oh. amount of power, mm-hmm. um, and that's a fairly straightforward process. You know, it costs money, mm-hmm. but it's you know it, it can be done. Um, there are some other things in old buildings because, you know, you're, you're poking holes in walls. You may have to do some other things to retrofit, you know, going through ceilings and floors. But, you know, those are things that all can be done. Sure, sure, sure. And, again, I think, like, you know, talking about, well, I don't want to get too much into the weeds on this, but, you know, when you talk about regulatory code and all those things, they can prevent or not really prevent but can present more challenges down right. the road, right? Right. Yeah. And, and sometimes if you're doing retrofitting and you do a certain amount of work, you have to meet the newer codes. It exactly. Makes you kind of repeating what you're restating what you yep. said. And sometimes that's opening up a bit of a can of worms that might want to be avoided. So uh, but typically it's it's all solvable. It's just a question of cost. Tim, a moment ago we talked about incentives or the lack of incentives. Um, uh, let's go and, if we could, dive into what current incentives actually are out there to help building owners and property managers at this time. So the incentives break down into where you live, where you work, where you drive. Okay. And then also I'll just say fleets as a general group. So it could be municipal fleets. Fleets is a whole other thing. We yeah. could ta- yeah. tackle that in another episode, right, right. for sure. So if we talk about where you live, if you're living in a multifamily dwelling, mm-hmm. so now you can either charge where you live or charge near where you live or charge when you're at work or charge when you're on the road. So if we stick to you know, where you live. The incentives so far have been um, not great in Illinois, but that's changing. Mm-hmm. So ComEd's got an incentive now where they're going to be offering up to $5,300 per parking space starting next year. Uh, and it's a, it's an EV rate program that they're organizing. The details aren't out yet. They don't. It's up to fifty three hundred. So I don't know what that is. They have a a focus on lower income. Uh, they also are going to be offering some rebates on vehicles. A uh, state of Illinois is responsible for putting in some of the, if you will, the local charging mm-hmm. level two and DC fast charging. Sure. So they they're going to be, if you will, filling the corner stores. And then the federal government has their uh, national program where they're putting in uh, three high-powered DC fast chargers every 50 miles on all the interstates. And they've got a kind of a sister program, which is called community charging, where they're going to be on major highways. They'll do something similar, putting in charging so that we're basically building this network of ubiquity of charging to remove range anxiety for the EV driver. Yes. And also some of these will fill in to these areas 
proximal to multifamily dwellings so that people who live in them will be able to avail themselves of those chargers. Um, and one other thing, just kind of put in perspective, most people drive like 30 to 40 miles a day. That's the average, like 80%. Mm -hmm. That's a, depending on the charger, that's an hour to two of plugging in in time. So it's not forever. You can get there and get your vehicle back. Somebody else can take the charger over. It doesn't have to be in your building. Or you can do that in, in your building if you can get that. Mm-hmm. And that kind of just brings up just another topic in terms of, you know, equitable access, right, to EV charging, um, making sure that it's really, you know, accessible, you know, for everyone, regardless of their, you know, mobility needs or financial, you know, status, right? And that that sort of gets all wrapped up into this conversation as well in terms sure. of the, the, the programs that are becoming available to help with that, right? There, yeah. So there. To, if you look at the, a map of chargers today, they talk about charging deserts. Okay. Which is basically a lot of times it's low-income neighborhood okay. or communities of color. So mm -hmm. one of the focuses of the federal programs in particular is to fill those gaps. Sure. Is to get chargers located in those areas. Um, there's also uh, uh, incentives on used EVs. So for lower income, maybe used EVs work out better than new EVs. But you can also get uh, uh, up to $11,500 in incentives on a new EV right now uh, in Illinois. So, the, you know, the, so you could buy a new car and take that off of the price tag. That makes it more affordable. It sure does. So that's, you know, focusing on, if you will, the lower income se section. Mm -hmm. um, and it also we're also filling in the gaps with these other programs for the chargers themselves. Uh, regarding uh, accessibility from a mobility standpoint, um, the ADA has written some rules, uh, Americans for Disability Act has written some rules um, that we hope to see implemented that are very specific to parking design, you know, with being able to get around the vehicle. Oh, sure. Um, some specific things that, you know, where the plug is so handicapped people can get to it, things like that. So those rules are, they're loosely in place. They haven't been formalized at the federal or state level, but I think they will soon. In the meantime, it's kind of best practice, and that's already recognized as a, as a need in, in, in terms of how you design um, a parking lot. Right. And that kind of brings it back a little bit full circle. When we first started to talk, you had kind of talked about, you know, when you come on site and, and your steps. Um, some of the other things I think that have to be taken into consideration by the property management, property owners, and in these HOAs is all of the factors that go into this, um, including, right, retrofitting, um, but then the maintenance, the maintenance of the um, charging stations and who, you know, where does, who bears that responsibility? I, I just think that every time you kind of start to, you know, look at this topic and you peel back a little bit, there's just another layer to peel back. And um, I, I, it's why one of the reasons why I love this topic. And I, I, I really hope that people are starting to really educate themselves so that they can really serve, you know, the, the population of their building the right way. Yeah. Right. So there are, Vendors out there that provide excellent aftermarket programs for maintaining, they'll either, you can get people who come out regularly on contract, you have, uh, you know, most of them will do phone calls and they'll get a guy out there 24-7 to... The good ones do. Yeah, the good ones. <laughs> They're not all like that, yeah. Uh, oh, but, I know, Tim. <laughs> <laughs> so, so at any rate, those are programs for somebody thinking of purchasing an EV charging station they should pay attention to at the end of the day, find out what that is. Obviously, there's a cost, but it's it's a 
it's a good investment, but it's like buying anything, you know, uh, a refrigerator or a dishwasher, if you will. It's something that probably is going to last a good long time, but, you know, this warranty is covering that risk. Sure. And you can get extended warranties and, and things of that sort. You can get parts or parts and labor. So there's a, a mix of things that you pay for. Um, anyway, the good vendors offer some nice programs. Excellent. Um, let's touch upon really quickly, you know, how, you know, we, we're talking about all of the challenges because of the, um, you know, the uh, availability uh, of of condos and apartment buildings that we have now, right, that are already in existence and have been here decades. But what's in place um, to to make sure that going forward, everybody's like sort of on the right side of this with, you know, maybe new construction, let's say. So the um, there's a group called the International Code Council, ICC, which anybody in municipality is familiar with. They yep. kind of are the writers of most codes, building codes, electrical codes. Well, not electrical codes. That's National Electric Code. But at mm-hmm. any rate, um, they have something called the International Energy Conservation Code, IECC. And part of the new version of that relates to EVs. Uh, and so they are laying down some new ideas so that when you build a new building that you include provisions for EV charging, whether it's just to provide the conduits, uh, which they call EV capable or EV ready, where you put the wires and the breakers in, uh, or EVSE installed is the third one where we actually provide a charger, EVSE, electric vehicle supply equipment. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, I love it. So they're getting out in front of it then. Exactly. Perfect. In, in Illinois, they passed something called the EV. Uh, Charging Act uh, this summer, which goes into effect January 1st, which says if you're building a new single-family home, you have to put an EV charging conduit into the garage, into the parking area that runs to a a panel that has the capacity. You don't have to put the cables in, uh, but it's called EV-capable. And the same thing is true for a multifamily dwelling. So you have to provide the conduits to go out to the parking areas for 100% of the spaces. Yeah. Yep. Uh, and there's also something called the uh, EV owner's rights, which is part of this, which you know, if you live in a multifamily dwelling uh, starting in January. You, you have the can, right to charge. You have the right to charge. That yeah. doesn't mean you don't pay for it, but right. you, they, <laughs> an HOA or apartment owner can't say no. Right, right. And I just think that um, that will be interesting. It makes, you know, it makes a lot of sense, right, to try and combat some of these challenges and these issues. But at the same time, I see where it could probably bring up a lot of challenges and issues. So we'll stay tuned, right? To, it's going to be interesting. It's going to be interesting. And we will probably tackle that after after the new year. Um, well, good. I really appreciate uh, your insight and, of course, everything that you bring to the table when we, when we sit down and have these conversations, Tim. One thing I'd like to maybe end with um, is where we kind of started. We've got someone listening that, you know, owns um, uh, an apartment building or perhaps is on a board of their local um, homeowners association, you know, what steps really should they take um, if they're looking to start this process? That's really, yeah, that's Mm -hmm. a a great way of of wrapping up. Um, One is call me. Call me. I like that one. No, no. That's usually so, mine. That's usually what I say, Tim. But you could say it. The, the, the first step is to get somebody who knows you know, can ask the right questions. Of course, and give direction. That's kind of what we do. Is to find out. It's kind of why I started taking what kind of parking, what kind of ownership of the parking and the building itself, 
what kind of power capacity, and then I'll, I often will end up leaving a, a, a survey behind so they can find out where the residents are. At that point, they've got the foundations for making decisions. Yeah, um, and, and that's green ways to go, folks. Green <laughs> ways to go. <laughs> anyway, that's, that's fundamentally it. Just get started. And one other thing to just tag on to that is sure. I, because these incentives are going to come and go, it behooves buildings to have at least a sketch of a plan, if not a plan, in place so that when the money's come, they can apply. Right, or start these conversations with their board now. Yeah. Because, again, I would imagine in that type of scenario, everybody, you know, again, no pun, they, they all have to be on board. They yeah. have to vote on these things before they can even, you know, probably reach out and, and make appointments and things like that. Yep. But there's definitely definitely a lot um, that, that goes into this. And um, we really appreciate, again, everything that you bring to us. And thank you again for sitting down with us. We really appreciate it. And, um, yeah. Just to, to wrap up, everyone, I want to say thanks again to uh, the gracious in-studio production team here at College of DuPage. It is such a top-notch facility, so thank you all. And Tim, thank you very much. We appreciate you. Thank you, Karen. My pleasure. You've been listening to All Charged Up with me, Karen Charvat of Power Forward DuPage. Power Forward DuPage represents over 300 of the most highly sought-after electrical contractors in the Chicagoland area. We support the electrical contracting industry here in DuPage County, Illinois, and act as a resource for its municipalities, businesses, and residents. Find us at PowerForwardDuPage.com, and until next time, keep powering through.